in addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, welcome, one and all. Welcome to Stories from the Kingdom. Today, I'm blessed to be speaking with George Miley, the Reverend George Miley. He's a good friend of mine and uh, has been a mentor for a number of years. And today, we're going to focus on talking about reconciliation, but reconciliation with the church. So, George, welcome to you. Thank you, Julian. It's lovely to be here. So we've heard in the past, we've had you on the show, and we've heard that uh, how yourself and your wife, Hannah, have been uh, bringing people together, bringing reconciliation between um, uh, Hannah herself, who was uh, a Jew whose parents were uh, brutally treated by the Nazis in the Second World War, and how Hannah and yourself go to Germany in order to bring uh, forgiveness, love, and reconciliation. But also, I've discovered of uh, another one of your projects, another one of your spirit-led endeavors. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, thank you, Julian. We, um, God began to lead Hannah and me back to her home area of Germany, the Eiffel, in which she grew up during the Nazis in a ministry of forgiveness and reconciliation. And uh, included in that was intercessing for her hometown and her area. And as we prayed, uh, we noticed the terrible divisions there. We were praying for the Lord to really reveal himself to this area. And we noticed the terrible divisions between the Christian traditions, people saying ugly things to each other, doing ugly things to each other. And we heard the Lord say, if you want me to come, learn to love one another, because in the midst of this awful uh, contempt, I'm not going to feel at home. So that began to trigger this journey of reconciliation between the Christian traditions. And that uh, the Lord shifted that in high gear when some old friends of ours, Thomas and Amy Cogdale from Austin, Texas, we had known them for years, came to us and asked us, look, it's on our hearts for there to be a prayer meeting on October the 31st, 2017, in Wittenberg, Germany, to commemorate the 500th anniversary of what is known as the Protestant Reformation. And the question is, what are we going to do about this? Are we uh, Protestants going to be triumphal about the Reformation? Are Catholics going to be contemptuous about the Reformation? How are we going to celebrate this? Or is there a role for us to grieve the divisions that have existed among us for 500 years, including awful things that we've said, including going to war with each other, including killing each other all in the name of Christ? Is there a place here to grieve and to uh, pursue 
reconciliation with each other. So, George, what what happened five hundred years ago? What what was the what was the event? Why five hundred years ago? Well, the 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 according to the story, it was five hundred years ago that Martin Luther attacked his ninety five theses on the church door at Wittenberg, Wittenberg, Germany, and that in itself has been significantly misunderstood. Luther was not advocating a breach in the church. Luther was appealing for theological dialogue around some of the abuses, for example, the sale of indulgences, for example. And uh, actually, as it turns out, Luther submitted those theses to the Archbishop of Mainz, which was the right thing for him to do. But as it turns out, the Archbishop of Mainz was in cahoot with the Pope to siphon off some of the money that was coming from the sale of indulgences for the sale of St. Peter's Cathedral. So Luther's request for theological dialogue was not honored, and that acerbated the tensions that were growing and developing in the at that time. Wow, so you're talking about uh, many people coming from many different traditions and expressions of the, the Christian faith. And how 500 years ago, this uh, event that took place divided the church and there's been continual separation ever since. Um, and so so this is about an opportunity for you guys to, to come together and be together and do what? Well, um, maybe just one step backwards. Uh, Thomas and Amy grew up and were married in uh, a non-denominational, charismatic, independent church in Austin, Texas. So that's their roots. And one day in their marriage, Thomas said to Amy, Amy, the way you're talking, would you like to become Catholic? And she said, yes, I would love to become Catholic, but I will never do it without your blessing. So this (laughs) this surprised Thomas, what's going on here? My wife wants to become Catholic. And so they went to one of their spiritual fathers who founded this uh, charismatic church to which they had belonged for years. And they said to him, look, you know, Amy is feeling she wants to become Catholic. What is your counsel? And this um, wise, godly man, charismatic, independent charismatic said, I have no objection to that because I actually received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when a Catholic priest prayed for me. So here we go. Here we go. And so what Thomas and Amy wanted initially was a prayer meeting in Wittenberg. And so they came to Hannah and me and said, look, what do we do with this? And I said, we need to meet with some European church leaders. So we began to meet with European church leaders. And that led us to decide we need to prepare for this. We can't just show up one day and pray in Wittenberg and all go home. So five years before we began to meet together, uh, a group of us, to begin with, we were about 25 people, Catholics, Protestants, various Protestants. Uh, We began to meet together to ask the Lord, how do we go about preparing for October the 31st, 2017? Wonderful. So so, uh, again, a group of um, people from different expressions, denominations, uh, Catholics, Charismatics, uh, 
uh, all of the uh, all of us. So you came together to to confess, you know, to uh, turn over a new leaf. Um, but you know, well, what what happened from here? You know, I mean, it, it's wonderful to to the repentance cleanses, it restores, it brings relationships back together. Um, but what? Uh, how, how did this work out? What was the fruit that came from this meeting? Well, um, the first meeting five years before the event, we met to, you know, what is the way forward? And uh, we realized that if we were going to get to reconciliation, we needed to tell the truth about the history, not in any way to dishonor our forefathers in the faith, not at all, not to dishonor, but to simply tell the truth. And so we had a talk by one of our group, Verena Lang. She's a PhD historian. She's Austrian, loyal Catholic, been a Catholic all of her life, loves her church, honors her church. But at the same time, as a historian, she has faced the evils that have taken place in her church down through the centuries. And she gave a very powerful lecture, talk, on the evils of the papacy during the medieval ages. This, of course, affected Luther, big deal. The papacy during the Middle Ages, the papacy was bought and sold. The popes had illegitimate children. And she summarized the papacy in the Middle Ages as a Catholic by uh, the papacy was characterized by love of money, a love of sex, and a desire for power. Money, sex, power, huh? Money, sex, and power. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> so, you don't so, get that today. Yeah. So she went, after she gave her talk, she went back to her chair and fell on her knees on the floor and just began to weep uncontrollably over the sins of her church. Again, she wasn't bad-mouthing her church. treating. She was honoring her church, but at the same time, she's saying, look, we need to tell the truth. The next time we met, it was the Protestants' turn. And so we had German Lutherans grieving over the anti-Semitism of Martin Luther. You know, at the end of Luther's life, he wrote some of the most radically anti-Semitic things. He said the Jews should be kicked out of the country. The synagogue should be burned. This is Martin Luther. And this fed the Nazis in the time of Hitler and the German Protestant church was in total cahoots with the Nazis, so much so that swastikas were put on the altar together with the cross. We had, we had German Lutherans, Protestants, state church Protestants, grieving over the sins of their church. So here we go. Catholics are talking about Catholic sins. Lutherans are talking about Lutheran sins. How does it go from here? And God began to add other traditions to us, beginning with Messianic Jews, we all realized that really the, the, the foundation of the body of Christ, the very original expression of faith in Jesus was Jewish. And the first division in the church was not Protestant Catholic. No, that, that was quite some, 1,500 years later. The first division was between the Messianic believers and the Gentile believers. So there's uh, the the need for uh, unity to to come together. Um, you know, I think uh, as we can in our individual lives, so can we with our church bodies to, you know, t- take a reflective look 
you know, not to beat ourselves over the head with a two by four or, or beat others, you know, but reflect on uh, what of our as individuals, but also what of our uh, churches in regards to our traditions. Where have we walked away from Christ? Where have we um, stumbled and uh, taken taken a wrong turn? So, um, why? Um, so, so that's great. So we've confessed, you know, our, our uh, problems. Uh, but wh- where do we go from here? Because this is the uh, stories. By the way, just tuned in. You are listening to stories from the kingdom. Uh, my name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and I'm blessed to have George Miley here talking on reconciliation with the churches, how the church is divided 500 years ago with uh, Luther nailing his theses to the Wittenberg church door and how there's been divisions within the church ever since. So we've been talking about uh, the need, the necessity for uh, dialogue to and uh, love to flow between these different Christian expressions if we are to uh, follow Christ and follow his commands. And George, my next question to you is people around the world looking at Christians, you know, where we have the uh, God of reconciliation. You know, Jesus is the God of reconciliation, but people can look at us and uh, one quick cursory look through the history books will show how often we've been at each other's throats. You know, acts of love, it's, you know, we've been uh, against one another, spending so much time and energy and strength. Uh, perhaps not reaching out to other people, but but attacking within. So, so what can we do, George, uh, in order to stop making foolish human errors and start following Christ? So that yes, there are very big differences between uh, the Catholics and say the uh, the Protestants or whatever. But how can people who confess Jesus as being Savior and Lord work together? in order to honor Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus began his public ministry by saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so for all of us, our relationship, whether it's personal or in the family or in the community or in the church, our relationship with Jesus begins by repentance. Now, repentance requires telling the truth. And here's where we get confused, because we think to tell the truth is to dishonor. That is not the case at all. When I personally confess before God my sins, I don't dishonor myself. God doesn't want me to dishonor myself. He has loved me and made me a part of the body of Christ. So telling the truth about my sin doesn't dishonor me. In fact, it's the opposite. It frees me to receive his forgiveness and his healing and his restoration. So the, the the ministry of reconciliation begins by telling the truth. We have to tell the truth about the past. Reconciliation can be thought of, one, one definition of it is healing the past. We can't change the past. Can't change it, it's already happened. But we can change the effects that the past has on the present and the future. And the way that happens is repentance. And the way that happens is telling the truth. So telling the truth is confession. I confess my wrong, and I confess the wrong that I have done toward you. Another key to this, Julian, 
is we uh, Americans are very formed by this idea of individualism. We are individuals. Now, that's there are a lot of ways in which that's true and good. But biblically, the Bible doesn't see us only in that way. The Bible sees us as part of a group. I and my father's house have sinned. And so we can take the place as a member of our group, as Verena did. She stood as a Roman Catholic and said, Lord Jesus, as a loyal Roman Catholic honoring my church, I confess the sins that we Catholics have committed. And when she did that, the result of that was the Protestants coming around her and forgiving her and relationships deepening. And so one way to approach this from the church point of view is that we from different traditions can hurl abuses at each other. That's one thing we can do. That's what we've been doing too too much. Another thing we can do is all of us come and kneel at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, all of us come from traditions that have sinned. You know, I'm an Anglican, and I just finished watching a series of uh, uh, films on slavery and the role of slavery in Britain. So we Anglicans, there are things that we can repent of. That's true of every tradition. If you just take a look on even what's going on today, again, the love of money, the love of sex, and the love of power. Was that just in the Middle Ages? Or is that something that has taken place ever since beginning to today? So this, this is, these are principles for marriage. These are principles for family. These are principles in, in the workplace. These are principles in the school. These are principles where there is, has been rupture in relationships. What do we do? We repent. So, I mean, has this gone any further? Did Are you guys still in touch with one another? And, and also, um, did the heads or people in, in uh, positions of power, should we say, within these organizations, within these church traditions, uh, were they interested or, or uh, was it just a, a few people uh, from various expressions? How deep did this go? Well, we, we, we grappled with that, Julian. What do we do? Because we were coming up to the day, October the 31st, 2017, and there was momentum building in this movement. So the question is, do we form an organization? Do we start trying to raise money? Do we keep this going? And as we prayed about this, we felt the Lord saying to us, no, do not do that, but commission everybody who's a part of this to go and live these things out in their own context. And so the very final meeting of this movement was a uh, commissioning meeting in German. We call it an Aussendungsgottesdienst. And we had members of the clergy from all of the different traditions that were involved leading the meeting. There were seven of us leading the meeting. So who were we? A Messianic Jew. Uh, an Armenian Orthodox priest, a Roman Catholic bishop, 
a German Lutheran pastor, an Anglican priest, a Mennonite bishop, and the pastor of a independent non-denominational church. So seven of us leading the meeting, honoring one another, submitting to one another as an example of the various traditions, not having to agree on everything with doctrine, but Jesus didn't tell us, go into all the world and believe the same thing. He actually didn't say that. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And if you love one another, the world will know that I have sent you. So, um, but how high, so you had cardinals. Um, oh, how bishop. high up, how, bishops, excuse me. How, uh, how high up did this go um, within the Catholic Church? Well, this is, we're talking now about relationships. So here's the, here's the ultimate. One woman who became a part of this is originally from Argentina. She now lives in Italy. Why? Because in Argentina, she was the uh, personal assistant of the Pope when he was Archbishop there. He brought her with him to the Vatican. She became part of this movement. And there was coming up the 50th anniversary of the breakout of the charismatic movement among Roman Catholics. And Catholics wanted to celebrate this in Rome. They're going to have 50,000 people there. They wanted the Pope to be a part of it. And the Pope said, I'm not going to be a part of it unless there are Protestants also involved and unless there are Messianic Jews involved, because the Holy Spirit doesn't belong to the Catholic Church. The Holy Spirit belongs to the body of Christ. And if we're going to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, we need all members of the body of Christ there. That was the Pope. That was the Pope. That was Pope Francis. So in an amazing way, before we went up on the stage, the Pope met Hannah as a Messianic Jew and invited Hannah to sit on the front row in this meeting. So there are 50,000 people there. The Pope is sitting on the front row. Hannah's sitting on the front row next to a cardinal and next to an Italian uh, free church pastor. And I was also there, of course, and our Anglican bishop was on the stage, and Farina, about whom I spoke, was on the stage. So there was the Pope saying, listen, I'm not going to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit unless there's more than Catholics there. This belongs to the body of Christ. So that's, you know, the kind of thing, you don't put that in the newspaper, you don't try to, that, that's the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is like leaven that uh, is put into a bunch of meal and leavens the whole lump. So the body, the, the, the kingdom of God spreads bottom up relationally. And, and so speaking of, you know, of uh, from the bottom up, from, from the grassroots, as it were, how do people such as me, how do people listening to this uh, radio program, how, um, how do we serve as the body of Christ? How, how do we reach out to those who are of different expressions of the Christian faith? and serve them and seek dialogue and seek unity. Well, what to put, it, to put this in simple terms, what can I do to be part of repairing this fracture? Well, the bottom line is to be available to Jesus and ask him to show you what he wants you to do. There are a couple of preparatory steps. The first might be 
study the history of your own tradition and see where there has been acts, words that have not been in keeping with the teachings of Jesus. Where have we strayed from the teaching of Jesus? Bring those to the cross in prayer on your own, Lord Jesus, I confess the sins of my people. And then look for opportunities to become friends um, with people from other traditions and um, build friendships and see what God does. Amen. So, you know, we're thinking of the Samaritan, uh, you know, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along with each other, didn't like each other at all. And yet the Samaritans stopped to to go way out of his way in order to help someone who's supposed to be a, a national enemy. So uh, if we are brothers and sisters. We are there to uh, help and love one another. But thank you. So reach out to your pastors and uh, ask them to reach out to those of different traditions. Do what you can. This is the kingdom and its stories. Thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.